0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Lunatics Radio Hour podcast. Today, we are very, very excited because we are joined by a new dear friend, though we've never met him in person, Michael Crosa. Hi, Michael.
1: Hello. How's it going?
0: Good. How are you?
1: Doing all right.
0: Awesome. And Alan, as always, is here. Still here. Alan Kudan, and I'm Abby Branker. And today we're really excited because we have a really fun episode to get to. But before we get to... The fun episode we want to talk a little bit to michael about some of the cool things he's doing oh thanks so the background here is that michael and i met during quarantine though he is in austin texas and we are in new york we met virtually through a movie club that some of our friends are putting on and like a weekly movie club where you watch the movie and you go on a zoom and talk about it with everybody and that's been really cool
1: yeah and so far, I feel like my picks have been uh, lackluster, so I need to step up my game on on some of my movie night picks.
2: What have What have some of the picks been?
0: Well, well, well Alan, the one movie that Alan watched with me for the movie club was Buster Scruggs, and Alan fucking loved it.
2: That was your pick. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing.
1: Oh well, thank you. I, I yeah, I actually I liked that one. I went on on a limb. That was my second one. I went on on a limb with uh, Quartet, which was not a bad movie, but perhaps not the kind of one that really um, engages much dialogue after, Mm. or at least not for our group. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think we also, we have an interesting group because, as you might expect, I pick a lot of horror films, which is just because it's what I know and love, and they, most of the group really also hates horror films, and so it's, it's a struggle for me every week to try to pick something that either isn't horror or pick something that they'll like and I feel like I've like struck out every single time so it's kind of a you know it's
1: a good company here <laughs>
0: yeah we got to figure out what the the healthy balance is but I, I don't know the movie club has been a really cool way to like connect with existing friends but also like meet new people and you know so hopefully everybody out there is yeah has got some cool stuff like that and is staying connected even though we're in quarantine
1: and I will say too I mean I think picking movies that you wouldn't normally watch is also like sort of the point right yeah
0: totally yeah. And yeah. And I've like, you know, watched through the club, all of these movies that I absolutely never would have picked and really, really loved them. So I think there is a lot to be said also just about getting out of your comfort zone a little, even if it's as simple as watching a movie, you know, and kind of like exploring yeah. something new. Totally. Yeah. So one really cool thing about Michael, there's many, but one really cool thing is that Michael has a podcast called Jollyville Radio.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Jollyville Radio. It's uh, st- we just published our eighth episode. Um, at the time that we are recording this, and probably whenever y- you publish yours, we'll have many more. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's been a fun podcast. And one of the friends in in movie night let me know that Abby had a podcast, and so I think we had like signed on a little early one day, and it was like, oh hey, let's talk podcast. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, well, tell us about Jollyville.
1: Jollyville is for one, it's a real place. That's a real name. I didn't make it up. Um, but the idea is kind of a show like Prairie Home Companion, maybe Welcome to Night Vale, just mixed with Sesame Street. (laughs) We are a live, quote-unquote, live broadcast from this fictional version of Jollyville. We tell radio stories, we do some kind of spoofs of like NPR skits, and we do all these kind of fun, happy connection pieces, whatever, and then uh, we end. So all of that is fictional, and then we end with a kind of non-fiction feature of a real community builder person out in the real world who's doing cool stuff. So obviously there's a oh, theme awesome. here of connection and community, and yeah, and, and of course this was... Um, a, a real reaction to being in quarantine, and holy smokes, I live alone, and I need to connect with people, and I need to remember the beautiful things that are happening in the world. Yes. Um, and so, so, yeah, so it's a lot of fun. We do a lot, of, like I said, it's, it's fictional, so it's, it's really fun to work with everybody on scripting and writing and then coming together, and um, I, I'd say I think we're up to about 15 people are, are involved in some capacity, so whether that's voicing characters or writing things or doing the social media or editing or whatever, and, and so, yeah, so it's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. And I think it's really important, too, and really cool that, you know, it's first of all, it's a joyous podcast. You know, Mm. horror can be dark and, and important in different ways. But especially right now, like when you need something to be light and fun and you just need a little mental break, Jollyville is exactly that. And it's so important. Like the community beat part is really, really cool and featuring people that are doing really cool work. And I don't know. I just think it's very commendable, the whole thing. And I hope everybody goes and checks it out.
1: Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, the community beat really is... One of the mo- more fun, th- I mean, it's all fun, but the community beat is, is really cool because um, it started out, you know, when we didn't have any like real listeners or cloud or anything and just kind of reaching out to my friends that I know they're doing cool things and they are doing cool things. And then recently, like we um, we were able to speak to this organization in New Mexico that does it's called the Women's Intercultural Center, but they do a lot on like border life and border culture and they get people to like go to border patrol facilities and like sit at the table with border patrol and like actually learn about these topics that are affecting the communities that's really cool we just interviewed um one of my old professors who's doing diplomacy work with hip-hop cool yeah like international diplomacy with um with hip-hop artists so it's yeah like all kinds of like really cool cool stuff and i'm i'm so glad that uh that you like it
0: yeah yeah i love it i also you just reminded me we should maybe say maybe not but That you're a musician at heart.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, And in fact, that's kind of where Jollyville all started. Maybe about a year and a half before quarantine started, um, Jollyville was a brass quintet and not a podcast. So... um... And we were doing, we were kind of finding our niche and all that. And and I should say we're like, I mean, I think we're really cool, but we're not what most people thought of as being like a cool brass band. Like we, you know, we're not like the New Orleans party band. We're the kind that like, you know, dress in all black and then bring our music stands and, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, like that kind of a brass quintet. And so what one of the things that we were doing in between to kind of like help give the the brass players a rest of their faces, we had started doing these skits and pretending like we were in a radio station. Um, Like while we were on stage And so then of course Once quarantine hit And it was a bad idea To be you know Blowing air and spit Into tubes Within <laughs> the close vicinity Of other people Yeah we kind of leaned Into that radio part
0: Yeah it's super cool Yeah so anyway Lots to check out Michael's doing a lot Of really cool things Very talented person And we are excited
2: Well I mean I, I haven't my my main experience with jollyville so far has just been meeting a few of uh your regular cast members as we've been gearing up for the radio play man i gotta say everyone is such an amazing person
1: yes. yes oh well thank you thank you yeah we got a lot of cool people involved
2: and what a talented bunch you found
1: oh well thank you thank you it's uh you know it's it's the way that i tell the folks is that hey come on if it's fun do it do whatever is fun like if if you don't really want to write a script or write a skit. That's okay. Like, do whatever. And, and if, you know, if, if you want to write a script this month, but maybe not next month because you're really busy, that's okay. You don't have to commit to whatever. So we really kind of have the benefit of people doing whatever they, they find fun.
2: All fun, no commitment. That's That sounds like <laughs> the perfect <laughs> business model.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. And we should talk about what this big project that is coming out on Halloween on both yeah. the Radio Hour and on Jollyville.
2: Wait, is this the first time we're talking about it? This is
0: the first time. So we are doing a Halloween radio drama. Full
2: cast, sound effects. With it, we're going for the full old school radio play. Yes. When, yeah. when we would all gather around the... <laughs> what the hell was it? The, the radio? Microphone? No, no, no. No what there had to be some colloquial term for the radio Mm. when y'all gathered around the living room before tv i want to say the nickelodeon but that was a tv yeah Yeah. i don't know
0: i don't know but we're really really excited we have so many people involved in different ways it's going to be really cool we think it's really scary michael and i have been writing this now for i don't know like two months
2: it's it's very very scary yeah too scary (laughs) Yeah, I don't think it's too scary. We, in fact, we're going to have to tone it down significantly for broadcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and one of the things that's that's fun for me is that this is this is kind of my first time writing like a real horror thing, and it's and it has been fun to kind of learn from you, Abby, on just how to make that happen and and how to make it work.
2: She's very good. Oh,
0: thank you. Very yeah, and good. it's it's cool because it's going to play on both the Lunatics Radio Hour on Halloween and also on Jollyville. Si- and,
2: simultaneously on Halloween?
0: Well, it's a podcast, so you know whenever people oh, hit play is up kinda, to them. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, and I think we're the goal right now is to have the uh, the clean version on Jollyville and the uh, the full blown adult language version over there on Lunatics.
2: That's right, full blown adult version with significantly toned down horror because it's just too terrifying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. we'll be okay, but yeah, we're so we're really excited. We've been working really really hard on that and. Yeah, it's going to be super cool. So make sure you listen in on Halloween on both podcasts because you could get slightly different versions. Yeah,
2: it's going to be like a find the the differences in the pictures. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly with you, for your ears.
0: Awesome. So, Michael. So, Abby. Now is the fun part.
2: <laughs> okay. Before Where, it was not fun.
0: Yeah, the, the, Everything so far has been excruciating. But now we're going to move on to the fun part, which is some icebreaker questions for you. Oh, fun. Two questions we ask everybody. The first question is, do you have a favorite or a few favorite horror movies?
1: Um, the real answer is no, because uh, the, I'm like totally out of my element with the horror world. And like working with you on the past couple months and in the movie club has like been my recent introduction to all this stuff. However,
2: well, I mean, as is the appropriate response from the guy who makes Jollyville. <laughs>
1: Right. Yeah. Sesame Street for, you know, radio. But (laughs) I knew you were going to ask. So a couple things that I have been interested in. Number one, Black Mirror on Netflix. I don't know if that counts in your category, but I absolutely love that. And then I recently started listening to this podcast called, I think it's called Old Gods of Appalachia. Yeah which is really interesting, and it's, uh, at least so far, Anyway, I'm not very far into it, but so far it's like a single narrator. It kind of has this, like, stories around the campfire. And I'm from the Appalachian Mountains living in Texas, and even though they're both the South, it's like a different mm. kind of South. Mm. Um, and so the, the, the Appalachian Southern accent that this guy has is, like, really speaking to my soul here. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's, that's what I've been up to lately.
2: Well, that sounds awesome. What can you tell us a bit more about that? It just sounds like a really cool idea.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I'm not terribly far into it, but so far, um, it's uh, it's this guy giving this kind of narrative of like a, of a witch story that's taking place like deep in the woods, deep in the woods of Appalachia. And cool. Kind of kind of touches into like settler times and pioneer times, and you know, like they. Uh, they had the witch and they put her out in the woods and she didn't mind cause she's a witch and she can do okay out there for herself. And <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, like that's, that's kind of, like I said, I'm very at the very beginning, as far as I can tell, I think it's a single, single narrator, but they might have some broader cast, um, you know, later cool. in the, in the show. So. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. I'm excited yeah. to listen to that.
1: Highly recommend.
0: Good way to start to get ready for the Halloween season. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Second question. And always a little bit of a wild card and how people are going to respond, but Have you ever had a paranormal experience?
1: Paranormal. I don't think so. I've had a couple, I would call them spiritual experiences that kind of ties into that. Like, you know, uh, there's more going on than than we can see. But um, I I wouldn't say that I've had like a, you know, a real, like a good juicy ghost story. You know what I mean? Fair
2: enough. Few have
1: yeah if you have um well, actually, one of the things that we had talked about or that came up, I think when we were writing our our radio show is was that uh my stepdad, who lives in Asheville, North Carolina, worked at a haunted radio station
2: mm, yes oh. yes
1: um yeah <laughs> oh yeah, and he has some really interesting stories. Um, about like one time when like the the guy the the fm dj was live, and then all of a sudden the, the ghost popped up like right on the other side of his desk, and huh. he flipped out and yeah, interesting stuff
0: yeah that's cool that's spooky.
2: How did they know that the radio station was haunted
1: I think um it's uh oh it's it 's a legit Asheville ghost story. I want to say it 's Alice is the name um but there's a particular part of the uh kind of Asheville outskirts like okay. on the mountains where this particular ghost uh walks around and so it's like a few buildings would would see her here and there in the uh radio actually might have been a TV no it was a radio station very cool very
0: cool i love that yeah so you'll see um on halloween our our story pulls a little bit of inspiration from that So today we are going to kick things off with a spooky story, and then we're going to go in and talk through some history and facts and kind of like dive into the topic a little bit. But to kick things off, Michael, whenever you're ready, you can start.
2: The Brief Possession of Jacqueline Baker, written by Abby Branker, narrated by Michael Krosa.
1: The day before her 20th birthday, Jacqueline Hyde was walking down the cobblestone alleyway next to her parents' bakery. The bottom layers of her petticoat were soaked in mud from the dirty street. She carried two bags of flour in each arm. Jacqueline clutched them as if they were babies, knowing how valuable they were to her family. Two bags of flour a day that kept their shop open. She hurried to the bakery and fumbled in through the front door. Her parents were busy getting ready. The shop opened in two hours at 7 a.m. Took you a bit longer than usual, eh? Her dad called out as she hoisted the heavy bags onto the counter. Not really, just one extra person. She didn't bother finishing her thought. He wasn't listening. He'd already started to mix the batter for the buns. She looked towards her mother. The woman's gray hair was back in a tight knot. Her apron and dress were so similar to Jacqueline's. It was as if she could see her own future. She sighed. Help me with the windows, will you? Jacqueline was a foot taller than her mother. She reached over the woman's head as she dusted off the top of the glass. Suddenly, Jacqueline's hand slipped. She dropped the dirty dustcloth onto the floor. Her parents exchanged furtive glances. What? Jacqueline was sick of their furtive glances. You've been slacking a bit around here recently. Her dad looked up at her disappointedly over the huge mixing bowl. Because I dropped the dustcloth. Jacqueline felt her blood start to boil. She needed to get out of this hellhole. She had given up all of her own hopes and dreams for her parents, and still they didn't appreciate it. It would never be enough for them. Last year you would have had this place open and spotless before we had time to put on our shoes. Well, last year was different. Jacqueline slammed the dustcloth under the counter next to the flower. Hundreds of tiny white flecks flew off of it and into the thick air. She could feel her cheeks turning red. Her temper was rising. Last year, she had still been happy. She still had hopes of getting out of here and going off to university. Last year, she could daydream about a new life, but this year... This year, she had settled in, realizing there was no money for her education, no way she could leave and let her parents run their shop into ruin. Her parents ignored her outburst, but she pressed on. "'You'd never be able to stay in business if I left. "'You can't afford to hire someone.' She was just looking for a little appreciation, a tiny bit of gratitude for her sacrifices." She found none. Think that all you want, girl. We did plenty fine before you. Her mother's words were harsh on her ears. A low groan built in Jacqueline's belly and erupted into a scream. I hate it here! Beads of moisture started to drop from her eyes. How dare you talk to me that way? What sort of family is this anymore? Just as her father was about to reprimand her for speaking out of turn, they all noticed the woman standing in the doorway. Old Mrs. Finkley. Damn. Old Mrs. Finkley was the eyes and ears of Pastor Ford, and you could tell by looking at her how committed she was to the church. Not a hair was out of place on her snotty, bloated head. She wore tiny framed glasses that made it look like she was always squinting at you, looking right into your soul. She carried church pamphlets in her apron, which she handed out to naughty kids playing ball in the street. The kids turned them into paper airplanes or lit them on fire. Jacqueline's mother cleared her throat. Mrs. Finkley, good morning. We don't open for a few hours yet. Finkley's beady eyes snapped to Jacqueline and looked her up and down. "'What's the trouble here?' "'Oh, nothing, just some normal family spat.' Her father started, but when the old woman's glare rested on him, he fell silent. "'The devil's afoot in this bakery.' Jacqueline let out an audible sigh and rolled her eyes. "'Oh, oh, Mrs. Finkley, the devil's not afoot here. Everyone argues from time to time.' "'Not me!' I only know one way, and that's the Lord's. Anything else is a distraction. Without warning, the surprisingly spry old woman whipped a rather large cross out of her pocket and held it up to Jacqueline. She took slow and deliberate steps forward towards her. By the power entrusted in me by Pastor Ford, and in him by Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, I hereby exercise this demon Jacqueline screamed and started to inch backwards towards the morning buns. Leave me alone, you crazy old bat! I'm not possessed! The vessel of her Lord Jesus Christ continued to chant, I demand that you leave the body of this young woman. She may be on the wrong path, but she is not beyond saving. I demand that you... Jacqueline's parents hovered hesitantly behind old Mrs. Finkley, clearly unsure what to do now. Get her off of me! Jacqueline glared at their inaction. ''Best not upset such a godly woman, dear. Might be best to just go through with the exorcism.'' Her father called to her, looking half-amused and half-scared. ''Are you serious?'' Jacqueline yelled. ''This is insanity! If anything, you should be exorcised.'' And with that, her father's half-amused grin faded as old Mrs. Finkley turned on her heel and started to chant her way right towards him. ''Be gone, demons! This whole of family is cursed! Demons be gone!'' and with her other hand, Mrs. Finkley withdrew a small flask from her apron and started to splash its contents onto the bakery floor. Mrs. Finkley, please! You're getting holy water on the loaves! Jacqueline's mother ran forward to save the breads, but was soon the next target of the old devout. With holy water flying and a group of fifteen spectators oogling through the glass window of the shop, Jacqueline was certain that the day's income was ruined. She felt her temper boil over. In a sharp voice that surprised even her, Jacqueline called to the old woman, That is enough! The chanting stopped, the holy water ceased, the old woman's eyes fixed on Jacqueline. Jacqueline went on, Mrs. Finkley, if you will please leave this shop, the store is closed and you are not welcome here. Jacqueline's parents looked impressed with Jacqueline's calm, cool demeanor, certainly not the demeanor of someone who was possessed by the devil. Old Batty Finkley looked appalled at Jacqueline's audacity. How dare you interrupt a ritual of God? Jacqueline looked the old woman square in the eyes. How dare you interrupt morning buns? The old woman let out an exasperated noise, and Jacqueline ushered her out of the door and slid the bolt into place. If she sends me a bill for that exorcism, it's coming straight out of your wages, young lady. Jacqueline's father was back to mixing the batter. It was your fault! Jacqueline started to sift through the fresh flour as her mother finished up the windows, making faces at onlookers until they scattered. An hour later, when the shop was officially opened and the smell of fresh-baked goods lured in customers, the family noticed that business was better than usual. They hadn't realized how much people loved a scandal, especially one involving the devil himself. And a chance to eat some of the cursed bread prepared by the cursed family? The line was around the block. Jacqueline hoped maybe they'd make enough to send her to university after all.
0: You did such a good job reading Yay. that. That was so fun. I love oh, your voices you. for old Mrs. Finkley. That was amazing. <laughs> Thanks.
1: Yeah, Thanks. thank that you. Was
2: fun. Uh you really should record a full set of uh, instructions as Mrs. Finkley for Waze.
0: <laughs> oh my god. Do you imagine?
2: Turn left ahead.
0: <laughs> That'd be a good Halloween add-on for them.
2: Turn around. You passed the church. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Uh, so that story was meant to set the scene a little tiny bit. It's not 100% related to today's topic, but a little bit because we are talking about possession, but not just possession. We're talking to Ooh. possession and how it relates to Tourette's syndrome.
1: Yeah yeah the other the uh well, not the other thing about me a another thing about <laughs> me um i so I have Tourettes syndrome and it 's pretty pretty well managed now and and probably won 't even be noticeable like through the um, through the podcast but uh yeah when, and I had a fairly unusual um experience with it so most most folks with Tourette's they kind of start moving a little bit unusually around the time that they 're you know maybe six or seven and then by the time that they that they reach puberty then it's kind of full full bore um involuntary movements and involuntary words and all of that kind of stuff and then kind of tapers off into adulthood my experience was that it started very suddenly not even just overnight but over lunch wow um yeah when i was 16 it was march sixteenth, two 2007 pretty big day i just i just came back from lunch i was i sat down in pre-calculus and all of a sudden like my my arm shot out to the side and i remember thinking like did i did i do that huh um yeah and then and then from there it's it's uh just kind of been a wild ride and so normally like if i'm well not normally but like if i'm having a, a rough day like um rough in in tourette's terms not just general rough day but um like actually i guess about a year ago is when it Uh, got as severe as it's been in a really long time so um i was having a lot of like physical full body jerks and, and shakes and stuff and i do sometimes have like involuntary words that come out and yeah it was pretty pretty rough um luckily my my job and my work was like they're super cool about it if somebody's yelling fuck in the next door then it's like they're you know we're all adults here. Yeah. Kind of interesting. But um, yeah, the way anyway, the, the way that this ties back to possession and everything is that um, it's thought that uh, back in the day when possession was like, you know, a, a diagnosis um, that, that what we're, people were really seeing is things like Tourette's syndrome and, you know, maybe some other neurological things like, you know, autism spectrum or, you know, anything else that now we have a different explanation for. But back in the day, it was like, you know, oh, well, that's clearly uh, possession.
2: That yeah. makes perfect sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And we
0: have some cool history, or not cool history, but interesting history that we're going to share around some of that. But we're really, really yeah, excited to dig into it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that, Michael.
1: Of course. Yeah.
0: So before I jump in, I want to just cite my sources, as is the best practice here. So um, the first thing, and really that informed a lot of the early history that we're going to talk through, is a scientific research paper called Tourette's Syndrome from Demonic Possession and Psychoanalysis to the Discovery of Genes. The second is an article called What is Tourette's from Tourette.org. And, of course, the one and only Wikipedia, which is my best friend.
1: <laughs> yeah, Wikipedia. And you know what? Can we, why don't, why don't we go ahead and do a definition of Tourette's Syndrome? Yeah, great. Um, yeah, because I think most people, if they've heard of it, probably have heard of like that kind of stereotype of people yelling curse words and things like that which is not necessarily untrue but perhaps you know miss uh, perhaps skewed how about that yeah um, yeah so really the the kind of criteria for having Tourette's syndrome if you imagine just like a nervous tick you know everybody kind of knows that person who blinks a little bit too much mm-hmm. physical ticks which are things like blinking facial movements full body jerks like that kind of stuff so presence of physical ticks Presence of vocal tics, which is the same thing, just maybe, you know, on the low end, like coughing a little bit too much. And on the more extreme end, it could be full words, full sentences, things like that, that are involuntary. Um, so both of those things, the presence of those two things, and then the, those things appearing before the age of 18. Mm. And that's it. There's no there's no real test. There's no, you know, anything other than that. Mm. Um, it's just kind of this like, wow, your brain is uh, real real messed up and does a bunch of <laughs> weird things. And what else is kind of weird about it is that it's not, well... I was gonna say it's weird. It's weird that it's not fatal. Um, It's—I mean—it's nothing like that. You know what I mean? It's not. It doesn't really have that many further implications. It, for the more severe cases, obviously, it can be really, really debilitating and really, um, you know, interfering with with kind of daily life. Yeah. Um, a lot of folks, like like myself, who can kind of get through the day just fine. Most people don't even notice um, unless I'm having like a particularly severe time of it. So yeah, that's Tourette's.
0: Yeah, and I, I have a question. I don't know if you have an answer for it, but. It's interesting that you said before the age of 18, especially because yours appeared at 16. I'm wondering, is it very rare that that sort of thing comes on later in life for people?
1: It is. Um, and the the kind of th- thought or the explanation of why that happened to me is that um, uh, I had something like uh, maybe like a viral infection or something like that 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 kind of did some a little bit of brain damage. Got it. Um but we don't really exactly know why and the doctor mm. said like, well, even if that was the case, you probably had to have had a predisposition for it. So there's a lot of just kinda of like unknown stuff reasons behind it. And you'll notice too those I mean, those diagnostic criteria, they're not they're just they're qualitative. They're right. like, oh, you happen to meet you know, so if you know somebody that has right. like the physical tics but no vocal t- I mean it's you know, it's pretty much it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, um, just a, a different kind of level of it, and I've known people who have, who do have the the vocal tics, but no yeah. physical tics, and that diagnosis, like if if you have like some of those characteristics, it's just a tic disorder, like that's it. You just you your diagnosis is that you have nervous tics. So, got it. You know, it's kind of this like arbitrary line of like, okay, now at this point you have Tourette syndrome, and so I've like I've known people that do have verbal tics that are probably more intrusive than you know even me as a full-blown you know Tourette's uh box checker Mm -hmm. diagnosis like well you know just say you have Tourette's that's you know I don't know why not Yeah. yeah yeah it's interesting
2: well it feels like Hollywood is to blame for a lot of this it's kind of like you know schizophrenia where it's the actual definition is completely different from like what people see in movies totally totally
1: yeah and i i'm i'm glad you reminded me of the hollywood thing i mean it's a it's a really easy uh cheap joke you know what i right. mean yeah um they're like oh haha ha, we have a character that that says curse words Rah. um <laughs> and there are you know there are movies that kind of play into that in kind of a silly way like uh, i think not another teen movie has a scene like that there's a there's a couple others and then there's there's a few that play on that in a really thoughtful way and surprisingly uh there's a south park episode <laughs> about Tourette's that is really good. And um, the the organization that you mentioned, Tourette's.org, or whatever their, their full name is, I remember when that came out, and it was like this big deal, like, oh, no, South Park's going to do a Tourette's episode? Like, you know, sound the right. alarms, close the hatch, we're fighting this. And then it came out, and they are like, oh, this is great. So, so they'll, they'll use it as a um, introduction because the the premise of that is that uh, Cartman does have that. He finds out about Tourette's syndrome. Oh, wow. I can yell and curse and and get away with it. And then throughout the episode, like he actually develops Tourette's syndrome and then meets other people with tourette syndrome and more of the, like the the lesser forms of it and all that and so it's kind of it's kind of a cool introduction The the downside is that the b plot of that um of that episode has to do with like a chris hansen parody so there's like some like child molestation jokes going throughout that ends in like a mass suicide of bummer child pra- yeah weird so it's you know kind of hard to show to new parent new tourette parents but right. um win some, yeah. lose them right <laughs> right it, it is south park so
0: yeah Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I definitely want to check out that episode. I don't think... I've seen, like, only sporadic South Park episodes, so I have to add that to
1: mm-hmm. my list. Oh, well, I will say, too, the um, the, the whole curse word thing, mm-hmm. um, the name for that is coprolalia for that particular symptom, and the, that comes from... Copra, which means like shit or poop or whatever and then lalia is speaking so literally that's shit speaking hmm, and uh and it refers to any kind of uh socially inappropriate thing that a person might say and it's totally contextually based too right um just the way that it works like y- you know yelling fucking if say we're in a um in a class lecture of like 300 people like yeah that's going to be socially inappropriate but then if you were to yell I mean, this is obviously this is a stupid example, but fire in a theater, right? That might be the the fact that somebody is in a, in a theater and worried about saying something like, you know, yelling right. fire or, or, or bomb at the TSA. They might have never had the tick to say bomb until they go through airport security. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. kind of stuff. It's a really. Oh, that'd be rough. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It was weird.
0: So it's kind of like the context of where you are and what would be like a bad thing to say in that moment.
1: Right. There's something about the loop of anxiety of like, oh, my gosh, I know I can't control this it would be so bad if i were to say this and now you're focusing on it and then Got all of it. a sudden it just it just comes out
2: it's so. like the the survival mechanism of like when you you know when you uh go to uh like the the edge of a tall building or something you immediately picture like jumping off or like right. ho- holding a baby you think about oh my god throwing this baby would be such a bad idea right now but like it's yeah. like what's wrong with me but that's just the survival mechanism scaring you into not doing that thing
1: yeah exactly exactly and then the added Measure of Tourette's, if you may be doing it, hopefully not throwing babies. But, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, 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 that would be, that would be, I, uh, not to get too far on a tangent, but I did, um, for in 2010, I was a camp counselor at a camp for kids with special needs, and like each week was a different population, and mm-hmm. one week was Tourette syndrome, specifically, that's how I found out about the, the job opportunity and all that. And, um, I was like the high ropes instructor, so we were like up on the, you know, ropes thing, like however many feet. 50 feet i don't know how tall it was but high up in the air of course we had everybody clipped in but literally i mean to to your point like you know kids would be like looking at the edge and would involuntarily jump Mm. um and i and you know they were all clipped in so it was all safe but it was yeah it was it was uh chaos
0: (laughs) (laughs) wow yeah that's
2: interesting
1: Yeah, it's
2: supposed to scare you into not doing the thing, not into involuntarily. Right, into actually doing
1: it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And and uh, then the last point on this is that uh, a lot of times people ask like, "What does it feel like involuntarily?" And and it's somewhere on that voluntary involuntary borderline. So like, uh, think of like a cough or a sneeze. Or something where, or even breathing, where like if you have to do it, it's going to happen. But you might be able to like, you might be able to delay it, or you might be able to, you know what I mean? Like yeah. these kinds of. It's somewhere in that interesting. range of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And thank you again for sharing all that, Michael. That's really, really interesting. And oh, of course, you know, awesome, awesome. I'm excited. Yeah. For people well, thanks to have for asking. This. Yeah, of course, of course. Cool. So, shall we talk a little bit about some of the historical connections between? I shouldn't even say connect, I should not say connections, but sort of the historical moments that have kind of defined this connection in quotes between possession and Tourette's syndrome.
1: Yes, absolutely. And, and uh, I'm so excited to take a look over the research that you've done.
0: Yeah, it'll be cool. So in 1486, a publication was released into the world called the Malleus Maleficarium, which also means the hammer of the witches. This book was written by Henrik Kramer and James Spencer, who were two Dominican monks, and it was backed by the sitting pope at the time. So very powerful people. It gives us a lot of insight into the fuel behind witch hunts and the feelings of the time. The book outlines a case of a priest with no clear signs of cognitive dysfunction or eccentricities, which exhibited abnormal tongue movements, vocal tics, and coprolalia whenever he kneeled in reverence to the Virgin Mary. He said that he couldn't prevent those behaviors from happening.
1: Sounds familiar.
0: Yeah. Right. So, I, I mean, I understand looking back at the time and the social sort of feelings towards witches and demonic possession and stuff that has come up as a result of the Catholic Church. You could mm. understand why why they would make that connection, even though obviously it's very harmful <laughs> and uh, totally I'm sure terrifying for that person.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I'm sure that that person also, that was the best explanation he could come up with.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you're in that situation, you're constantly thinking about, oh my God, I cannot do this thing. And if that's what sets it off.
1: yeah, Dude, that, you know, if the guy's worried about saying stuff while kneeling, talking to the Virgin Mary, absolutely.
0: Yeah, totally. And there's there's a few examples too that we'll talk through really briefly, but the there seems to be a connection, right, between like the moment, right? And a lot of it's, it's like, the big moment at the end of mass and, and it makes sense now kind of based on what you've said in my mind, I was like, Oh, I bet they're exaggerating the timing of these things. But now like talking to you, it makes sense that these big moments in church where it would be the worst possible time to do that makes sense that it actually did happen in those stress moments. Triggers.
1: Right? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. 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 I so like that. Stress triggers. Stress Save yeah. that. Put it in the back pocket.
0: So the priest's behavior was immediately thought to be demonic and he was later cured in quotes by an exorcism
2: oh he he really lucked out
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah lucky lucky him in another section of the hammer of witches they outline a story of a woman who supposedly uttered swears during mass just as the priest was giving the final blessing so again right like just like in the worst possible moment with a modern eye these accounts are believed to be examples of trest syndrome However, at the time, because of the lack of medical knowledge and because of the rise in demonic and witch hunting, which came with the rise of the church, they were wrongly associated with possession. Okay, so now let's talk about this. I'm sure most of you have read the book or seen the movie, The Exorcist. The main character, Regan McNeil, famously played by Linda Blair, exhibits exaggerated motor and vocal tics. Of course, the film was dressed up for Hollywood, but it's largely believed that the real-life that the real-life case that inspired the story for The Exorcist was a case of Tret Syndrome.
2: I was going to say, vocal tics is a bit of an understatement.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. true. Uh, Kay Shapiro, the author of the book and a psychiatrist who was actually involved with the original investigation, attests to this as well and sort of confirms that based on the original case that inspired this,
1: it was a case of Tret Syndrome. Fascinating.
0: Yeah. Michael, didn't you watch The Exorcist in preparation for this?
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting about the idea of like the things that that are ticks and things that are not. And of course, you can, you know it's always hard to tell just from looking at somebody what is voluntary and what isn't. I didn't see a whole lot though that I th- I thought were like, oh, that's clearly just a tick. And 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 I think that part of that is probably to the point of like, I mean, they were mo- making a movie about demonic possession, right? Right. So, you know, absolute Like the thing, the, the only thing that like maybe is could be anywhere close. I, I wrote this down as like shit, the, the little girl shows up, she pees on the floor and says like, you're going to go to, oh, you're going to die up there. Right. Talking to a um, astronaut. Mm-hmm. Like if let's say we that was a tick. Because sometimes people say full blown sentences. lolly is a bitch here. So uh, if somebody was to say like "You're gonna die up there," like most people, at least that I know, like know that it was involuntary. They know what they've said. They would immediately start apologizing, or at least acknowledging, like "Oh, that I'm sorry, that was involuntary." You know what I mean? Like yeah. that kind of thing. Yep. And then the other the other bit that is really not not kind of in line with that is the idea of like coming in and out of personality. And so, like I for me with my Tourettes, it, it feels like, it feels like an external well this sounds like I'm describing possession, but it, so- <laughs> it feels like an external force that is kind of like involved here, like a, like a broken robot or something that's this doing this stuff as opposed to like some internal thing trying to fight to get out or, or even my own subconscious like trying to communicate or, or something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. What did you think of the movie? besides looking at it like analytically through this lens.
1: Well, I mean I I definitely enjoyed it and and I'm glad that I looked at it from this lens. Mm. Because even though like and I wrote in my notes that I did see a lot, especially in the beginning part where they're trying to diagnose what's wrong. There's so much that I did resonate with or did remember and recognize through my own kind of diagnosis process, diagnostic process, Mm -hmm. that um, I don't think I would have been paying attention to that if I had just casually turned it on. (laughs) Right. Um, right. So it was it was really interesting to see that.
0: Yeah. I think it's interesting, too, because there's a lot of documented cases from like the 70s or 80s of people who are possessed and you can go to youtube and watch videos of like children or adults who you know who are possessed you know and there's these cases that have like inspired different uh types of famous horror movies right over kind of that the 70s was like a pretty rich time for horror but it's interesting, kind of based on the things that you said today, too. You know, especially in these cases where people are being documented, right? There's crews there, people are being filmed, and to your point, it kind of adds this like anxiety loop. Adds like it, it almost like you know, uh, I'm not like saying this very eloquently, but if somebody, if you have Tourette's, right, and somebody is there filming you and like expecting this thing to happen, like it, it's kind of the same anxiety loop, right? And so the totally. things that they do maybe are shifting a little bit to this specific context of we think you're haunted we think you're possessed whatever it is and so their actual ticks are evolving a little bit to like fill this niche and it's kind of like this chicken or egg situation
1: definitely definitely and a couple couple points on that when I when it first happened to me and it took so so between the first tick for me, and, and when the diagnosis of, of Tourette's came, there was about there was about a five month span, mm-hmm. which is relatively short for people that uh, with similar experiences. But, I mean, we were trying to figure it out, right? My my yeah. family was trying to figure it out, and we we tend to be analytical people. So I remember like s- sitting down with my mom, and we were like trying to come up with a chart, like maybe we can find patterns, like left arm today, left arm, or, you know, and like, and right. like but the, I mean, I, and then the more I'm thinking about it, like oh my gosh, well like what about my right arm? And then the right arm would go, right, and. You know, we'd be, again, trying to figure it out. Well, what happens if we just hold the right arm still and prevent it? And then all of a sudden the left arm starts doing the same thing. And I have my virtual background on. You can't see me gesturing. (laughs) But, you know, like all these like, that's so bizarre. And it looks involuntary. It looks like I'm pulling people's leg. And and it's like, no, this is really, you know, I can't. And then the more, you know, once we kind of realize that, oh, no, this is, that's just how (laughs) Tourette's works. You know, that made a little bit more sense. But, but yeah, absolutely. To your point that you know showing up and calling it a thing oh the other way i was going to go with that is that a lot of times the ways that young kids get with tourette's get bullied in school is that uh other kids will try to get them to say certain things Mm -hmm. and because there's a certain suggestible element to it right so like you know the the bully kids might come up and and just like be like cheeseburgers cheeseburgers you know don't say cheeseburgers or whatever until right you know all of a sudden that's incorporated in that that kids uh tick rotation
0: right uh,
2: i was going to say it, it, the case the all those documented cases of possession are probably the majority at least coming from highly religious families yep in where the idea of the the worst possible thing to say would be blasphemy totally
0: yeah even if they're not highly religious their reaction is to bring in a priest and then it becomes religious you know and so then that element is there and it's like yeah totally Mm -hmm. speaking of that actually michael i believe you have a a story to share on the topic
1: yeah yeah I i don't know if i would even call it a full story but you know in that beginning period like we were trying to figure everything out and different doctors you know my family would take me to a couple different doctors and doctors would say all kinds of things and you know they they want to solve it right so they'd yeah. give a diagnosis and then we'd go home and i think wikipedia was still around at the or had been invented and we'd look it up and it's like oh well that's clearly not what's going on you know got to find the next thing and i'm just trying to find things and um i do remember that that my dad took me to a priest at one point and i remember you know, waiting till after mass and, um, my dad calling the, the, the priest over and, you know, kind of talked a little bit about what happened and the, the priest put his hand on my head and prayed and, and said that it would go away in six months. And, you know, I think in the context of this episode that, you know, that might come out as saying like sarcastic towards the priest, but not really, I'm, you know, I mean, yeah. everybody was just trying to do their best with this totally unknown situation. And, and I mean, there were also doctors that were like, oh, this is going to go away in six months or like, you know, whatever. So. Yeah, it was just kind of this moment that I, I remember of everybody's just trying to do their absolute best to figure it out.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally.
2: After you originally explained it, it sounds like such an obvious diagnosis. Um, but I guess it's just it's so convoluted in things that it's it actually is. the opposite of that.
1: Yeah. And I, and I think part of what made my situation so challenging um, was that it started pretty much instantly right uh which is and old i was pretty old relatively um so that was really un, unusual and you know it also looked like it could be some kind of like uh, traumatic brain injury kinds of things just you know because that's that you know that could have been it and at first i only had the physical ticks, mm. um that's... and for a long time and and they were pretty severe at the time too like my arm would flail out to the side <laughs> You've got more equipment falling. Um, <laughs> my, my arm would flail out to the side for like a whole minute, oh, you know. Wow. Or um, like I remember that my head would shake back and forth so hard that sometimes my like glasses would fall off, and I would see spots, like just because of the, you know what I mean. There was like this really intense stuff. Yeah kind of the story there is that after, I think the third hospital that we ended up going to was the National Institute of Health in Mm -hmm. in Washington, D.C., which is like, you know, if you get seen as a patient there, that's because your case is so bizarre that it's essentially a matter of national security. So they send you to the Washington DC wow. um hospital and uh, they were the ones actually at first even when I did get the diagnosis of Tourette's I was still having just the physical symptoms but um one of those are physical tics but one of those was like maybe like <sighs> like h- huffing or breathing right. and and at first they just sent us home with the the tick disorder they were like oh yeah you you have a tick disorder and i was so like anticlimactic it's like which one they're like no just you know just like a tick disorder that's it that's the name of it hmm. um but then, I guess they were revol- they were they they had taken some video. They had taken some video of me, and they were kind of reviewing it. And called back a couple weeks later and said, "You know what? We're going to bump this up. We're going we're going to call it Tourette's syndrome." Mm. And uh, in my memory, anyway, um, that the day or, or maybe within the week or so that that they had called and said that it was Tourette's, that that's when I started the the vocal tics as well. Got it. Um, which is also bizarre, or like the the, the real vocal tics, like growling at my own dog and stuff like that, um, mm-hmm. on accident. And so that, you know, I don't know if that suggestion or just whatever the, the specific weird pattern of my own case was or, or whatever.
0: Right. Yeah. That's really interesting.
2: Yeah, What, what we were saying earlier, how it seems like such, uh, an obvious diagnosis for these people that are complaining of, um, sorry, their family members that are usually complaining of possession or something like that. But then when you look at the exorcist specifically, mm-hmm. the and you mentioned earlier how there's like a outside entity influencing um, in that situation, like a whole different personality. In that case, there was this whole, it was, you know, a demon that identified itself that had its own personality. And it would, sw- you know, you switch back and forth between seeing this young girl and seeing this clearly not right, right. young girl right, right, at all. Right.
0: Right. And yeah. I think, too, like th- there's a case and I wish I could remember the name of it, but there's a possession case, like a documented possession case. And within that, and this is one of the things that has like videos right from the mm-hmm. 70s, like home videos, the, sh- the kid makes a sa- like makes sounds kind of like Reagan does in the movie, like that sound demonic. Right. That sound really mm-hmm. like guttural and and. And again, it like to me, if someone's like, oh, you have a, an ancient demon in you, like, okay, that suggestion is now in her brain and maybe she is making me, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so it's interesting. And I never thought about it even like, I never knew enough about Tourette's to be honest to like, think about it this way and to see how much in line it really is, you know, and how yeah. much it makes a lot of sense as like, as like, yeah, that was Tourette's syndrome.
1: Yeah. And, it, it, you know, speaking to some of these like weird guttural sounds like I've, you know, gone to some events and whatever and met some folks with some really severe cases and mm-hmm. some that kind of pop up to the top of my mind is is that I remember one woman who had this blood curling scream. Mm. I mean, just a full blown horror movie scream. And I mean, she's just sweet, unassuming person, but all of a sudden just ah! like out of nowhere. Um, Like, yeah, that would be like, you that, know, that's disruptive. Yep. Totally. Yeah. Disruptive. That's a great word. And then there was another uh, girl, maybe like 15 or 16 at the time and and she would punch herself in the throat Oh and yeah and hard i mean you like you know you'd be in the room and just all of a sudden hear a thwap and she just like clocked herself right in the neck and um like over and over and i mean you can imagine she was hoarse because at that point she had been doing it a few days and it it, you know ticks tend to like kind of cycle in or cycle out um you just gotta gotta wait them out but but yeah i mean that some of that severe stuff um actually i even remember one of those guys who i know he's featured i know he's been featured on like good morning america and stuff like that had like one of the more severe probably one of the more severe cases kind of in the country at the time i remember hearing the story of of he had a, a very long extended severe tick of he jumped out of the car while the family was at a stoplight And ran, happened to run into a church that was right next door and was running around in circles inside the, um, the, the sanctuary. And I I don't think anybody was in there, but, um, it was just like, like I said, super severe case and, uh, kind of, I I guess, ironic for the story that it was in a church, um, but yeah, like, what do you what do you make of that? If you don't, and honestly, I mean, I think the idea of calling something like the root here, since we really don't know what Tourette syndrome is, yeah. all it is is that's just, I mean, we have a na- name so that we can be accepting of it. Right. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, it's not you like um, there's not like a you know a clear thing that causes it.
1: Right. right, right. There's no like, oh well, there's you know some piece of metal buried in that guy's brain. So that's what, it, no, it's just this is just a word that we have that we right. can use to kind of accept and. And explain the behavior.
0: Right, it's like a word for the symptoms, but not necessarily like a word <laughs> right, for right. the but right. Right, but what is it still? Right. Yeah, 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 yeah,
2: exactly. And it stands fully to reason when you're, you know, in olden times when you're, you'd first go to the priest for counseling before you went to the doctor. Right. You know, uh mm-hmm. and like your prescription would be, say, twenty Hail Marys and call me in the morning. You know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, of course if they're going to jump to any kind of religious explanation before yeah, totally. even considering that like oh actually yeah this is a unknown medical condition yeah. yeah
0: i mean especially like you know the kind of those early examples that i mentioned are from the 14 1500s like of course yeah there's not there wasn't really like doctors back then in the same way that we have them now you know and so it makes sense that that was their first turn. You know, it's not, again, it's not like to demonize. There's, you know, there's plenty to demonize the church for. It's not to like demonize their church for its treatment necessarily of it, but it's to say like, of course, at that time, it made sense that they would seek counsel by their religious leaders, you know? Totally.
1: That was the best, best answer.
0: Yeah.
2: And still like the, the whole, understanding of neurological disorders and tbis and everything is the wild west
1: yeah that's a great way to say it
2: there's so much unknowns i i, I worked on a, a documentary with the awesome filmmaker aaron sanger um and it was on uh tbis and people uh, specifically uh wounded veterans mm-hmm. because pe- you know people were surviving injuries due to medical science um that previously were not survivable at all and so they're, right. they have no idea like what kind of recovery people are looking at They're And it's, it's wild because you think we live in a society that has, you know, medical understanding kind of, you know, at, at least written down in books somewhere. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And n- no, there's still so many fields we know very little about. Yeah. Yeah. To tie this back
1: to *Exorcist*, at uh, the exorcist though um one thing that I did write down in my notes that I thought was kind of interesting is that when they when she's first starts doing the thing and they put her they they start going they start with the doctors mm-hmm. um for one on one end, a lot of that was very similar that was very similar to to my experience of like going through the CAT scan, doing the EEG, like, doing all that, like, I I had all of those tests done that, that she also had done in the movies, a little, little updated um, yeah. since <laughs> the 70s, but um, did all that. Even, even the, there's a scene where her and, I guess it's her mother, are in this room full of, like, consulting doctors, like, I had that experience too at, at in D.C. of like being in the room with all of these neurological movement disorder specialists, all kind of asking questions at the same time. But what's what's funny to me is that once she starts getting these like obviously medical like you know like gashes and lacerations all over her face, and it's like suddenly the doctors disappear. It's like man, somebody could have stitched her up or <laughs> something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like as soon you know, yeah. but. Uh, again, there again, it's a you know it's a
2: movie about an exorcism, so yeah. right. She'd be significantly less scary with full medical treatment, You're right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah. She just needed she just needed some love and care. Yeah,
2: yeah. I guess most possession movies have some kind of like self harm by the possessed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and they're punching in the throat. I'm you know thinking exor- obviously the Exorcist is being case one, but another one of my favorite possession movies of uh, Ghosts of Mars. Ghosts Great. of Mars? Ghosts of Mars. Oh, boy. Great movie. Yeah, lots of lots of like self-mutilation by these people that get possessed by demons and ghosts.
0: So Ghosts of Mars. Tell us more about that movie. What? No. Is that worth watching for it, people? It's,
2: it, absolutely. John Carpenter movie. Really? Yeah.
0: Jeez. Okay. Possibly sounds...
2: the worst John Carpenter movie, but it yeah. doesn't matter. <laughs>
0: it sounds ridiculous.
2: <laughs> Another random thing. This
1: has nothing to do with anything, but something that I wrote down about The Exorcist. Uh, there's a bit where like one of the check marks is that like, well, she has to be speaking in a language that she never studied. Right. And they're like, Oh, what about this? Whatever. And they're like, Oh no, that's just English backwards. (laughs) Like as if that's normal. You know what I mean? Like, like our brains can can not count. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That's yeah. That's so funny. I do love though, the use of English backwards in, as like a horror thing that pops up sometimes, like specifically in Twin Peaks. Yeah. It's like in Twin Peaks too, if you haven't seen it, big fan of Twin Peaks, but Twin Peaks is a David Lynch TV show and the there it's like a recurring thing that happens where one of the um, actors, one of the characters speaks backwards and the way that they did it actually was for the cast. They didn't just reverse the audio cause it had to match their lips. Yeah. So the cast actually learned how to say all of the things backwards and they say it in like this really creepy, like slow w- way but anyway, that just came to my mind, and now I want to watch Twin Peaks again.
2: Fascinating. I can't remember what movie it was from, or even if it was from a movie. But what they did was they they had to make it sound like super weird. They had the ca- the the actor say the line backwards, mm-hmm. and then they reverse re-versed
0: it. it. Yeah, and had it play forwards. Yeah. yeah
2: so was that,
1: that- uh, like smog or desolation of smog or? that sounds familiar too though they record it backwards maybe it's not that one but i do i feel like i remember hearing that of like recording it backwards and then playing it forwards in order to make it that I feel like much i've weaker. tried
2: to blot out most of those movies from from memory so quite, <laughs> quite possibly
0: well now that you actually say it i think maybe that is what they do in twin peaks is that they actually record it backwards and play it forwards there too but mm. we'll look into it we don't want to leave you with false information on that
2: well yeah we we will not leave you with false information <laughs>
0: Well Michael, I can't thank you enough. We can't thank you enough for coming on. This episode was really, really fun and educational and I don't know fascinating to hear you talk about
1: oh well th- yeah, thanks so much for having me. I was uh, re- been really excited to come on for a long time now
0: yeah and i it's been really cool too again to <laughs> to like work so closely with you on this upcoming Halloween radio drama thing we're doing yeah. to have never met, but like you know every week sometimes several times a week we're talking and it's i don't know it's been really cool to have a new friend from texas that i would have never met otherwise and you know it's like these kind of shining moments in quarantine that keep us sane
1: (laughs) yeah yeah there's a lot about quarantine that sucks but then there's a lot of beauty in that suddenly it's just as easy to talk to new friends in new york as it is to you know finally get coffee with that friend in austin that i haven't been able to you know what i mean like yeah totally there's some some cool stuff about that
0: yeah absolutely awesome well thank you so much everyone please please listen to jollyville what's the what's your instagram
1: Thanks. It's uh, Instagram and Facebook are both Jollyville Radio. And then uh, as far as the podcast goes, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I don't think we're on Stitcher yet. I got to figure that one out. But everything else pretty much (laughs) got to. So, um, yeah, just Jollyville Radio.
0: Perfect. Yeah. So definitely check that out. And again, make sure you tune in on Halloween on both Jollyville and on uh, the Lunatics Radio Hour to hear the various versions clean and, uh, unedited <laughs> the versions of the Halloween radio drama.
2: Absolutely. I, I would love to see a full Jollyville rendition of, uh, uh, of the exorcist. <laughs> I
0: don't know <laughs> if that's really on theme for Jollyville.
2: I mean, you'd have to do some heavy modifications. Uh, one thing that I would
1: love to do, I don't even know if we could even get the license for this. Probably not. But I think it would be so much fun one day to do uh, War of the Worlds, but yes. then replace all of the characters with Jollyville characters. Oh, um,
0: that's so cool.
1: I think War of the Worlds yeah. is public domain. Oh, no,
0: didn't you look it up, Michael?
1: I Yeah, well, I looked up like a stage version of it. You could, you could probably like write your own version or, t- you know, I don't know, something like that. But like the, the radio play that's... Um, I forget the name of that, Who, you know the the, the one company that owns like every script Samuel something <laughs> or Simon yeah. oh awesome, somebody. Um, yeah they charge you like a hundred dollars just to put it on once so, uh, I get that kind of money, jerks but... yeah jerks but anyway. maybe
0: something to look forward to someday, maybe, you'll someday. Only find yeah, out maybe someday yeah maybe
1: someday subscribe,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah awesome well thank you Michael again so much and you can follow us at the Lunatics Project on Instagram we have a YouTube channel called Films About Lunatics where we put out short horror content not so much recently but after quarantine we'll be back to it and yeah we love you guys so much thank you for listening and we will talk to you next time bye bye Bye. thanks for listening if you'd like some bonus content consider supporting us on patreon to access our patron exclusive podcast horror movie club
2: Also head to lunaticsproject.com to check out our spooky merch and apparel.
0: You can find us at Lunatics Project on Twitter and TikTok, and The Lunatics Project on Instagram and YouTube, where you'll find our short horror films, cemetery tours, and so much more.
2: And please rate and review. A little feedback goes a long way to help us grow and get more content out there.
0: Our cover art is by Pilar Kep, and musical bumpers are by Michaela Papa and Jordan Moser.